Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnar. And I'm Robert Bertolato. So in the past, Robert, on this show, we've talked a lot about Claude Pepper and his U.S. Senate career. But what we have not talked about is Claude Pepper's second act, which is arguably one of the great second acts in recent American history, uh, uh, political history. Uh, Jerry Brown would come to mind in, in California as a guy with a, with a, a great second act uh, years after he was governor for the first time and years after he had lost uh, three presidential runs. Uh, but there are very few others that, that, that I would count on the same list as Claude Pepper, who 12 years after being defeated in the most bitter U.S. Senate primary in the history of this state, Democratic primary, came back in 1962 and became a House member from Miami, a, a, a U.S. House member from Miami, and then went on to being a very impactful member of the House of Representatives, uh, almost a half century after he'd been a, a huge, uh, hugely influential member of the uh, U.S. Senate. The only thing I, I've ever compared it to is the... Um the phenomenon with John Quincy Adams. Oh, that's he, another one, yeah. You know, he had a, a, a really, uh, you'd almost say a failure of a presidency and, you know, gets defeated, leaves office, and then almost instantly he's elected to Congress and he serves there for 20 years and he's, um, he's usually regarded in the, you know, whenever there's a list as either the best or, you know, second or third best member of Congress in history. And um, also, Claude Kirk usually is um, as well. I mean, sorry, I mean, pardon me, Claude Pepper usually is as well. And uh, I think there's there's a reason for that. He was um, much more outspoken, much more liberal. Um, he, he had the knowledge from having been a U.S. senator, because he had been a U.S. senator, he sort of had a, a gravitas that a lot of congressmen don't when they come in. So he had all that baked in already when he ran and was elected to Congress. So, um, you know, in a way, it was sort of similar to a returning, um, you know, figure that had that, that sort of weight around him, you know, like when a, it was sort of like when a governor, um, cause we've had a bunch of them lately that had gone on, um, after the governorship to run for Congress and be congressmen, you know, they, they just have more respect because they've, you know, run a state or they've been in, in powerful positions. And so as a result, um, he became a very, uh, liberal champion of things like, you know, Medicare and, uh, elderly um, rights and um, health reform and education reform and at the same time he was sort of the godfather of this new wave of democratic candidates at the state level and at the local level and so he built up this um, great progressive network where he became one of the most sought after endorsements of many candidates in the Democratic primary. And as a result, you add up all of these different elements, and he was a very powerful force of nature in Democratic politics in the Sunshine State for a very long time. 
1974, there was a Democratic landslide for in the U.S. House and in the U.S. Senate. But in the U.S. House in particular, there was a large group of freshmen that became known as the Watergate Babies. And the Watergate Babies had a sort of uh, – uh, they had a zeal for reform and they had a resentment of a lot of the – elders in the Democratic Party and ousted a bunch of uh, 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 people who were chairman of committees, uh, many from Texas. Uh, uh, I know, uh, obviously, uh, uh, Congressman Pogue was, uh, uh, was was ousted. I think Congressman Burleson, uh, Wright Patman was ousted because of his age. I think they, they generally respected Wright Patman, who, did, who didn't if he were a reformer, but uh, because of his age. But there was this reverence among this group of freshmen for Claude Pepper, because they saw him as the authentic uh, article and a link to the New Deal era, the era that they felt they were following in the footsteps of. And, uh, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. And then about 10 years later, uh, in 1982, he was uh, once again uh, considered the godfather of the 82 uh, freshman class that came in because uh, Reagan tried to or talked about reforming Medicare and he basically went around the country saying you know this is wrong this is terrible and Medicare has always been a very popular program and so he's usually regarded as um, you know one of the decisive factors in um, this great landslide defeat for Reagan and the Republicans in uh, the first midterm. Yeah, 1982 was a wipeout election for the Republicans. By the way, don't want to comment too much on contemporary politics, but the only president who I remember struggling through his first year and had horrible approval ratings at the level that Joe Biden does currently as we record this in uh, early 2022 is Ronald Reagan. Who, and then Reagan got wiped out in the 82 midterm uh, with Claude Pepper and Tip O'Neill leading the Democratic move. And the Democrats got, I think, one of, close to 270 House seats. It was a, a landslide. And Reagan was able to pivot after that and won in the landslide in 1984. I mean, and similarly, obviously, the midterms were bad for Clinton and for Obama. Uh, and then they came back and got reelected. But they weren't as unpopular as Biden is currently. But the only president that I remember being as unpopular as Biden after one year was Reagan. His, clocks, his clock was cleaned in 82 and he came back. But the point about Pepper is then Pepper is the guardian, the savior of, uh, of Medicare and Social Security. And he ends his life, Robert, uh, from 80, after the 82 election until his death in, in May of 1989 as the powerful chairman of the Rules Committee, which arguably gave him more power than he had as a U.S. senator uh, half a century oh, yeah. earlier. Oh, yeah. And uh, one, of my, one of my favorite stories about him, which, uh, you know, he's such a, he was such a hero to my granddad, by, you know, by extension as well. I mean, he's a, a, a great influence. Um, one of my favorite stories is he had a, uh, a pair of glasses that, you know, obviously he was almost completely blind, so he always wore glasses, but he had a, um, a pair of glasses with no lenses in them, so that if you ever wanted to take a picture of him, like journalists, he would just switch out the uh his normal glasses with these glasses that didn't have um, any lenses so there wouldn't be a glare 
which, uh, you know, that's something that a lot of people with glasses like myself, uh, you know, have, have come to realize is, is an issue, especially in the 1980s. But to me, that, that just reminds me of what, a, what an absolute pro this guy was, that he knew everything there was to be a, uh, <laughs> a U.S. senator and a congressman, even something so simple and trivial as, you know, oh, well, I'll just have a, a pair of glasses with no lenses that won't have a glare so that every picture I take, uh, you'll be able to see me better. You know, it, it was just a, a nuance um, that every single freshman that came in just would, would just gravitate towards because he, he was this patriarchal, um, decent man. And um, he was such a political animal that it was, uh, it, you know, you couldn't help but just be engrossed by him. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that, Robert. And, and should mention before we... Uh, before we depart, that uh, that Pepper was so effective at that time. The reports out of the White House were the only Republican, uh, the only Democrat that really annoyed Ronald Reagan uh, and, and got Reagan's uh, uh, all uh, fired up and angry was when Claude Pepper would come on the television on the nightly news or whatever program Reagan was watching. He'd want the TV turned off or the channel change, which uh, uh, prompted Tip O'Neill to, to put... Uh, Pepper on more, right? Put Pepper in more press conferences, um, which is a similar thing to what happened uh, to Lyndon Johnson, right? The one Republican who really annoyed Johnson was William Miller of New York. So Goldwater and Goldwater's handlers thought, okay, here's a way we can rankle LBJ. We're going to put Miller as our running mate. Now, as it turns out, Miller was a buffoon and uh, Johnson won uh, 44 states and and, uh, Miller didn't do anything to help the ticket. But um, uh, Pepper got the same kind of... Uh, was able to get the same effect and rile Reagan up in the similar manner that Miller riled up LBJ. So anyway, Robert, thank you very much for that once again. Thank you for listening to the Florida History Podcast. We'll be back with you next week.